Ready, the podcast that's big on internal reflection to move through big life decisions. Together, we're putting the work in to take the pressure out. I'm Ali. And I'm Ellie. And today's episode is, am I ready to let go of my past and forgive myself? Big one, very relevant for everybody. And we thought we'd start with a bit of a checklist. So just to maybe see if you can identify whether or not you are holding on to things that you might need to let go of. So some really key telltale signs are the first one being prone to nostalgia. So living in the past and then living in a better past. So rose colored glasses, that kind of behavior in your mind, mm-hmm. you might find it really difficult to let go of things. And I think everyone finds it difficult to an extent, but like an example of me where I realized I do hold on to things is I've got this memory box that has all these different cards and letters and little trinkets and things from all these different people from my entire life. Does it have a snippet of anyone's hair? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, you're safe. (laughs) Gross. I do have a little bunny tail in there, though, that my granny knit me when I dressed up as as Tinkerbell. Not a real one. No, no, not a real, not a real bunny. Like a Tinkerbell has she a little the fluffy thing on her bum. Mm, okay. Anyway, my granny made that for me and I kept it because she hand knitted it for me and she passed away when I was like 22. Anyway, so I've still got that little mm. ball of fluff or whatever that is. So I noticed, oh yeah, like I've moved around Australia four times and I've kept this box with me. I obviously hold on to things. Mm. So that's like a, you know, an easy kind of thing to kind of notice in your life. Third, you might be resistant to change. I don't ring true with this one. I kind of run towards change. How about you? Yeah, I feel a little bit like that too. Um, When I think about being resistant to change, it also comes to mind. You might find that you unconsciously repeat patterns of behaviors or kind of like attract the same person over again because maybe you've got unresolved trauma or something from the past. Mm, Yeah, that's a good way to look at it as well. And some other signs you might compare then to now. You might relive experiences in your mind, like how could I have said this better? How could I have done this differently? And the last one, holding grudges. Yes. I'm a Scorpio psycho, so I definitely, no, not, but I do hold on to, I do hold on to grudges. Yeah, you're like an elephant. You remember everything. I do. Yes. And I can throw it at someone when I'm kind of in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Which is not a nice skill to have. Oh, we all hold things though. Yeah. So yeah, that's our little checklist. Running through that, uh, think about something that you did, said, possibly a relationship that ended badly, whatever it is that you aren't proud of that you're holding on to when you listen to this episode. And you might be feeling emotions or things like guilt, embarrassment, shame, regret, disappointment in yourself or how things went, shock, resentment towards someone, hurt, or even humiliation. I think whenever we feel these emotions, it means firstly that you have a conscience. If you've hurt someone or someone's hurt you or you're not proud of how you handle a situation, that's totally normal to feel those things. And the second thing is you may have disrespected yourself or your values or crossed a boundary. Yeah. On the emotions thing, I think you made a good point to really split them out and identify them really specifically. So rather than just being like, I feel sad or angry, like specifically, what is that emotion? I think the disappointment one is good. Mm. That definitely hits with me for sure. I feel disappointment in some of the things we're about to talk about. Me too. That's a good sign that you're growing or you have grown or changed slightly as a person if you look back on something and feel disappointment. But the whole lesson with things like this is that you only did as well as you could have with what you knew in the situation. Yep. 
but we'll get into that. We will. So our stories are quite similar. The things, I guess, that we hold on to or elements of that story, little leftovers from that chapter in our life that we still hold on to. We're both going to talk through a break up mm-hmm. um, and the fallout of that. Um, Which is probably a hugely common totally. one, I would say. Totally. Yes. Yeah, letting go and losing people has got to be the most difficult, one of the most difficult things you could do. So my story, maybe we'll start there. Yeah. I was in a relationship for four years. I got engaged and was planning a wedding, had a dog, had a house, had all of the things and realized that it wasn't the right thing for the two of us. Wow, so that would have been really hard going, you know, being so sure of something and going so far down one track and realising that you... Yeah, and even on that point on emotions, like feeling so disappointed, like how did I not notice this earlier? How did it get this far? How did I, you know, how could I have let that person down and myself down like that? I really berated myself for a long time about that. Mm. But we had a really unique, I guess, experience. We were in lockdown, living in Melbourne on the peninsula. So we were, you know, the most locked down you could really ever be. And this is during COVID. Yes. So this is when it all started to fall apart around that time. So being locked down into a house, you know, six, seven months straight with someone that you're just working through things with. And I didn't really have too many outlets in terms of being able to go and see my friends, see my family. I'm from WA, so I couldn't go home to Perth because of all the border closures. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was really sitting in my like panic and Mm. pain and this whole cloud was just huge for me. Mm, I feel like I would feel smothered by the situation. Totally smothered. Yeah. It's exactly how I feel. I remember I really looked forward to going to sleep. Because it meant for that period of time, I wasn't worrying about what was happening in our lives, it which was is that, so sad. It was that consuming. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was really, I was completely racked with guilt. So from that, obviously made the decision to try and make things work. We had some really good conversations about it. We worked through it for a long time. Unfortunately, we didn't get there. And you're a big communicator. Yes. I do like to say what I feel. So we had a lot of hard, hard, hard chats in that time, but we didn't obviously make it. And so fast forward to now, when I look at all of the things from that time in my life that I guess I haven't let go of, that I hold on to, I've actually found this episode really helpful because I'm literally writing it down a sentence by sentence, exactly what I'm still holding on to, rather than just sort of speaking about the experience as a whole, I guess. Yeah. So the things that I've noticed I really hold on to, which I think everybody feels this way, is the guilt of breaking a heart and also blowing up two people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Theirs and yours. Yeah, because, you know, you build this whole life with somebody for so long and you have it all planned out. You've got all sorts of things together, whether it's money, pets, houses, lot, like your whole life, and then you, you know blow it up and you have to start again like it makes you feel like shit and you really do rebuild you know like even if you're the person that leaves it doesn't mean that you have to rebuild or suffer any less 
Yeah, I agree. I think there's a bit of a misconception where if it's you were the, the doer, the instigator, the instigator that you kind of aren't really and you kind of know what's going to happen. So you, I don't know. Some, I don't know if it was, I put that on myself where I was like, I don't really have a right to feel this way, but I was absolutely ruined for months yeah, and months. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So that guilt is significant. Had to move through that a lot. The second thing I struggle with is the way that our relationship ended. So because we were locked down in a pandemic, by the time that we had broken up, the WA borders had reopened like in a couple of days. I'm talking of this whole thing happening. And my ex had said, you need to go home, see your mum, your family. You haven't seen them in a year. Go home, come back in a couple of weeks and we'll sort everything out then. So he was really supportive. So supportive. Mm. He's like, get on that plane. Like, he's an absolute legend of a man. Mm. And I went home and my plane, literally overnight, there must have been one or two COVID cases or something, came back up in Melbourne. Straight away, Mark McGowan, the previous premier of WA, locked down WA again from those cases. And so my plane was the very last plane to be allowed into the state I'm pretty sure. And so then what that meant was I was stuck at home with a suitcase, couldn't get back to Melbourne, and I was just at mum's. So instead of being there for two weeks, I ended up being there for 12 months. Wow. Yeah. It was huge. Do you feel that impacted on the way you felt about resolving the situation, resolving the breakup? I think it probably helped in a weird way. Yeah. Like to keep two people physically separated... Mm. You know, it did really make it really final. Yeah, that's true. Maybe a little bit aggressively so. Yeah. And it was it was pretty horrible and it wasn't the way it was supposed to have been planned out. But maybe it was the way that it was supposed to happen. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But that whole thing, I guess I, I really struggle with how it looked, I guess, for, you know, it kind of looked like I'd just up and left and never came back. And that is something I hold on to because it's not the way I would have wanted that to happen. I wouldn't have wanted for that person to have to pack up our house and organize all this stuff. And I certainly didn't want to leave my dog. Mm. Um, it goes against your integrity. Yeah. And like not say bye to people. And it was just so, it was so fucking strange. The whole thing, it was just the oddest thing ever. So really that the, the way it all transpired, I really hold on to. Another thing I hold on to is the way people fell out of my life. And there's two sort of things that I really struggle with here is one, the people that I didn't reach out to. So like I said, like I just left. So I didn't, I should have picked up the phone from and spoken to a couple of people who I didn't. And that really sits in my head a lot and my heart really tugs on my heart a lot, actually, because I usually am that person that does the right thing and picks up the phone and has those hard conversations and that sort of thing. And then the other thing is, if I'm completely honest, the, the lack of communication I received from a lot of people that I really expected to hear from. You didn't feel supported by the people that you thought would be there for you. Yeah, but also like just there were so few people that reached out when they heard the news to say, hope you're okay, you know, totally neutral. Mm. There were so few people that said it. I remember I woke up and I was like, did I dream this? Wow. Is this actually real? That's how little I felt it from people around me. Mm. So I really do, I mean, talking about holding grudges, like I really hold that in my heart a lot. I just think that was unfair and I really do wish 
more people in more situations not just situations like this but more people would reach out when something bad happens to somebody even if you say the wrong thing even if you're not that person's friend whatever it is you just have to send one message and that's it and that person will remember and they'll feel supported from that yeah yeah very true i really and i try to do that now whenever i hear something if someone's close enough to me i'm gonna go and say hey i heard this i hope you're all right and maybe if you hadn't have gone through that experience yourself, you wouldn't have learned that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because I remember it acutely. I'm yeah. very, very aware of it. For sure. Yeah, you're right. And the very last thing, which is the hardest thing, which I don't really like talking about too much with anyone, is the loss of my soulmate, who was my little pooch, Billy girl. I hold on to the fact that I no longer have her in my life, but also the really nasty things that I said to my ex when we were working out who was going to have her. Mm, so she obviously stayed with your ex. Yeah, yeah, because we were, I guess, we were separated for so long, it just made the most sense for her to stay there, and she was... Yeah, settled. Settled, and I also felt so guilty. I was, you know, just... It was the one thing I really wanted for a really long time, and then when he actually said, okay, you can have her, I just crumbled and was like, oh, my God, I actually can't do that to you. Mm. And I was a total head fuck about it. Total head fuck. I feel awful about that. Yeah, we we do and say things that we don't mean or live to regret in the heat of those kind of moments. Yeah. When there's such a turmoil of emotion, I think that's normal to feel and think irrationally and it does come out in your behavior and all you can do is learn from it. Yeah, exactly. When you, you know, when you, do you ever have that voice in your head that's like, the person you are comes out in the hard times and, mm. you know, I'm like, oh my God, I was an absolute gnarly bitch. I can, my situation is a little bit similar to that actually. And I think I've heard that or seen that, that, you know, when you break up, the true person comes out during a breakup. I don't think that's true. And maybe it's because I've done some of this work and thought about and reflected on the situation. But yeah, I was the same. I was an absolute asshole and a, and a terrible person uh, when I split with my ex-partner. And your relationship was a long one, right? Yes. My story is similar in that I had a long-term partner. We were together for eight years. From age, uh, I was 16 when we got together uh, up until age 24. Pivotal years. Exactly. Right. And when I think about why we broke up, I mean, I really don't have a straight answer, but I would say that saying that you either grow together or you grow apart was really relevant to us. And it is that, like you say, those pivotal years where you grow and you change and you you learn about yourself and your personality and what you want in life that might not always align to what you thought when you were 15, 16, 17 years old. So coming out of that relationship at 24, it was really like light and day. It wasn't a slow build. I just remember having this realization it hit me like a ton of bricks that this isn't what i want i don't want to be in this situation anymore i don't want to be in this relationship anymore and i really saw no other option than to just end it there so i definitely feel guilty about how that happened and that for him it probably would have been like he was blindsided Mm -hmm. but so was i yeah it was like probably like you just did you just wake up yeah yeah, almost. <laughs> I know, it's it's so crazy, but I think, you know, there were definitely signs along the way. Like, I had tried to navigate a couple of conversations about it prior, but never to the full extent, which, you know, I think, again, I was probably 
a little bit naive or didn't have the communication skills or I was protecting myself, who knows. But then secondly, how I communicated it to him in the end, because I think I was so full of adrenaline and I just needed to do it now and cut the cord or I didn't know how much longer I would be in that situation. We also hadn't been intimate for a couple of years. Yeah, that's a, wow. Yeah. That's, like, a, that's a really hard one. Having that solid intimacy. And especially at that age, you know, like I know intimacy comes and goes depending on what you're going through in life, but we really didn't have any reason or excuse that that was missing. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, when I look back, I can see all these things logically, but I didn't. And I definitely hold on to how I ended it with him. Um, I, I couldn't support him and, you know, we were each other's person for such a long time. And I will say we were very codependent as well. We didn't really have our own separate lives and separate support group and separate things going on. We were also living in the Northwest of WA in an incredibly isolated yeah, location. Super remote. So I, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be, the cure for his pain but also the cause so you know Mm -hmm. in terms of being a supportive person for him through it I really just cut the cord and kind of turned my back on it yeah and I turned my back on that phase of my life in a way as well I we had a really closely um, intertwined friend group so I definitely lost contact with a lot of friends during that time and yeah, there's, there's just a whole magnitude of issues and regrets and emotions and things that come up for me when I think about it. And the hardest part is knowing how much of a decent person he was and is. You know, he was the kindest person I've ever met. And I found myself over the years, like, almost comparing that to when I've met other guys that have come and gone in my life. And it's made me realize, wow, those really, truly decent, kind-hearted people are not as common as you would think. And I just, the fact that I did that to someone who was so beautiful and innocent just crushes me and and it comes up regularly for me, I will say. Yeah. Do you think it comes up like now that you're in another really beautiful relationship does it do you you hear it more or like feel it more now or do you think there's another period of your life that was a bit more of a peak kind of guilt time definitely in the earlier days like in the earlier days of dating and relationships and things that followed after that I almost felt like I was being punished or you know maybe unconsciously I was punishing myself anytime something would go wrong or you know someone treated me badly or I sabotaged something good I honestly just felt like this is karma this is this is because I did something so bad in a relationship I'm never going to find a good relationship and something like that again I totally relate to that I get crippled with fear that my current like something will happen with my current partner or maybe he might turn around and do the same thing to me that I did to my ex. Yes. Yeah. Like I get crippled with fear. Mm. It's unhealthy. It is. And I, I do relate to that. And I went through a really big phase. And this is one of the tools actually that we'll talk to in a little bit. But I went through a phase of really wanting to reach out because we haven't kept up regular contact over the years. 
I really wanted to reach out and just say, I'm so sorry, you're an amazing person. I just don't want you to ever think that you deserved any of this. It was not because of who you were as a person, all of this, but it's also not fair to go and pick at someone else's scabs. Yeah, fair. But it would be quite cathartic to write that letter, wouldn't it? Yeah, which yeah. we will talk about um, as one of the tools to help move through yeah. this, like a letter writing exercise to get this shit out and really talk to that person. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to note how it might still show up in your life, like how that guilt shows up. That's another thing you might not even recognize. You're like, oh, this is actually a byproduct of this other thing that I'm holding on to from this event back here. Mm. One of the main things I find myself doing is comparing now versus any other time in my life, really. I kind of just compare different things, usually different life pillars, like maybe it's career or maybe it is parts of my relationship or it's friends or whatever it is. But those comparisons are definitely unhealthy for sure. What do they say? Comparison's the thief of joy. Yeah, it's so, so true. Yeah, and that's when you think about that, most people are talking about comparing your life to other people that, you know, you don't see what goes on behind closed doors, but comparing your own life to other phases of your life, comparing your relationship mm. to old relationships, that's equally as damaging. Yeah, for sure, actually, if you put it like that, any type of comparison is so bad, so unhealthy. Another thing is reliving conversations in your head about things that you could have said, things you could have done differently. I do it all the time. I just overanalyze every single thing that I've ever said to somebody. Even when I go out for a drink or something, I'll come home and be like, oh, did I say this yeah. wrong or did they take it this way or, you know. I also think that being self-aware is completely different to being self-analytical. So if you're picking apart everything that you do and you're looking at certain situations and just absolutely ripping it to shreds, that's not constructive. Self-awareness is, is an amazing tool to have. You know, I think it relates to emotional intelligence, which we talk about a lot and knowing how to reflect on situations and, and things like that. But that self-analytical thinking where you kind of shred everything up and pick it to pieces, it's also not going to be helpful. Yeah. I remember something really helpful that someone said to me once, a friend of mine that has stuck with me ever since she told me, I think it was she told me maybe three, four years ago or something. And it's helped me so much with my self critique or whatever I do to myself all the time. Give it to us. She was like, never be so self-absorbed to think that other people are thinking of you. Oh, that hit. I was like, ouch, but also, fuck, that's true. Isn't it? Because here's me sitting around thinking, oh my God, I said this, I did this, I did this, and it's all me, me, me. Mm. Everyone else is sitting on their couch in their little room doing the same thing. Yeah. So it was really helpful. It like cut through and I'm like, oh my God, I am self-absorbed. That's fucked. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is probably not an affirmation <laughs> that you want to take into your everyday life, but it is a good reality check. Mm. Mm. Really good reality check. I also forget to be grateful sometimes. Yeah. And I try my best to really practice gratitude each day. Three things that went really well for me today and leave my day with that thought in my mind. Is that sort of off the back of you living in the past so you can't enjoy the present? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
Yeah, you focus so much on what you don't have Mm -hmm. instead of what you do have, what's right in front of you. Mm. And I think even back to that point about being self-analytical, you can be constantly scanning for triggers, scanning Mm -hmm. for wounds. What do I need to work on? Why is this presenting? Sometimes you just need to be easy on yourself and be in the moment. Yeah, and recognize you're not perfect and you never will be. You can strive to be better, but you can't strive to be perfect Mm. because you will just fall short. Absolutely. For sure. On the point of sort of punishing yourself, Mm. uh, I wanted to talk about when you feel guilt and you sort of speak to yourself negatively, that can become your internal monologue. If you haven't necessarily allowed yourself to move through that and forgive yourself. And that's sort of where it can turn into limiting beliefs, which we've talked about a lot. So if you're constantly telling yourself something like, I'm not worthy of a good, healthy relationship. I fucked up the best thing that happened to me. So I don't deserve better. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve better. That can in turn become a self-fulfilling prophecy where your beliefs unconsciously influence your actions. So you can potentially be going through and self-sabotaging or putting boundaries or walls up and not being open to those opportunities when they present and then repeating those negative patterns. So if any of this has sounded like you, we have got some tools and we've got some prompts to reflect on that will hopefully help you move through that so that you can recognize those limiting beliefs, recognize your guilt and let it go. Yeah. Forgive yourself. Like, I don't even remember the last time I would have said to myself or even really to anyone because we don't really have these conversations where you say, I forgive you, Mm. you know, you might say, I'm sorry, that's okay. But I forgive you is so much more powerful. Or in text messages when when you're still kind of pissed. So you go, all good. (laughs) All good, X. (laughs) That's definitely me. So speaking of tools, Hmm. let's go through... Some of the tools I'm going to actually, I'm going to start with the biggest and best tool ever. And I've only learned about it in the last few months, but sometimes I think, oh, maybe I only needed to really find this out now because I've got these little residual things. I just need to cut out of my life and cut out of my soul and move on from. It found you at the right time. Absolutely. So one of my former boss and very, very close friend, amazing mentor, Jess, told me about this. Now, you may have heard of this already. If you're not spiritual, I still suggest everybody does this. It's called emotional cord cutting. So I'll start with what the hell that even is. Basically, it's, it's pretty simple. It's the idea that throughout life we develop energetic connections or cords to people, places, beliefs, and situations. And then as we continue to move through life, we sometimes need to really bring that energy back to ourselves and recover that energy that we've given away and reestablish some healthy energetic boundaries for ourselves with other people and within ourselves as well. So the practice of emotional cord cutting is essentially letting go of what no longer serves us, letting go of these energetic cords to give us space, basically, to continue to grow, to learn, to move forward. So it's, it's obviously metaphorical. But a meditation on emotional cord cutting is unreal. Like, it's so helpful. Yes. You told me about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm actually so excited to do it because I've done a few, like, breakthrough meditations, I would say. Uh, And I'm not a meditate every day person, but as I need to. And when you're sort of sitting there and you've just got tears streaming down your face because (laughs) it's been such an empowering release of emotion, there's nothing better. And I absolutely need 
to do this for this specific topic. A hundred percent. Everybody needs to do it. Even if you think I, or maybe you might think, I don't even know what, what it is that I need to let go of, but I just know I have this, something feels a bit heavy for me emotionally. Don't worry. As soon as you do the meditation, it just pops into your head the things that need to go and you'll visualize them or maybe you'll see words or however your brain works. But I guarantee you, if you just focus in on this meditation and you listen to what this person is saying and you just take it all in, the things that you need to let go of will just appear for you. And yeah, I just burst into tears. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as I saw it, it was like a mind map for me. It was sort of like yeah, I could just see this vision of like five different things were just floating in the air for me above my eyes. Wow. And I just started crying because one of them was like my dog and then, you know, all these other little bits and pieces and they just showed up straight away. Mm. And you just work through that, through cutting that connection. It doesn't mean that you're turning your back on something and letting it go forever, but you do need to let go of it for the sake of preserving energy and growing and moving on. Like, yeah. I can't hold on to my dog forever. No. You know? And it's <laughs> if you want to visualize it in a different way, you could almost liken it to blockages, right? It's about mm. clearing certain blockages that you need to let go of. For sure. Very exciting. We'll actually be having a guided cord cutting meditation recorded for you guys as an episode, which is just epic. So it's going to be a tool that lives in our library that you can come back to anytime. Yep. Save it down. And the point is to do it on repeat because you don't just do a meditation once and then things are forgotten. You definitely need to commit to coming back to it. Maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once a, a week even, whatever feels good for you. Or just as you need it. Yeah, it probably just will come to you when you when you do need it. I have a reminder in my phone because I'm just one of those sorts of people. <laughs> that was like do a meditation. My, that was like when my herbs reminder popped up the other day. Yeah. And you're like, what the bloody heck herbs are you taking? <laughs> you had like three different things. What else was it? I have one to book in a monthly massage yeah. for my shoulder and my neck. And That's then nice. I have one to wash my makeup brushes and stuff because <laughs> otherwise, you know, 12 years goes by. and <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know the last time I washed mine. Gross. Foul. Mm. Ugh. Well. On that note, we have a reflection section as we do every single episode. The idea here is that these are journal prompts that you'll write down and ponder, but you can also just think about them wherever you're listening. They might also be conversation starters if you have someone that you like talking about this stuff with, like Ali and I do with each other. Yeah, for sure. And if you're out and about walking or driving, we will post the journal prompts on Instagram so you can save them down and come back to them another time uh let's kick it off yeah so number one is what are you holding on to what came up for you when you were listening to this episode basically when we talked about those emotions in the beginning that you might be feeling shame or embarrassment or regret and disappointment around actually you know write yourself a bit of a um write it down yeah write a list of what you're holding on to mm. yeah keep a mental note number two identify what emotions are connected to what you're holding on to. So really isolate them, really identify them with granularity. So frustration, resentment, shame, disappointment. The next question, if someone you loved felt this way or was holding on to something that they needed to let go, what would you say to them? So what's your compassionate voice and speak in that voice to yourself? 
Our last tool, which we mentioned earlier, is about writing a letter. So this is about really writing exactly how you're feeling and all the thoughts that are swirling around your head, all the emotions and the regrets and things, either to your ex, if that's the situation it is, you could even write it about Billy, your pup, if you Mm. feel the need to, you know, journal it out. I should do that. I actually haven't done that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it might be, a friendship that's um, dissolved, write a compassionate letter and really lay it out exactly how you're feeling and you know apologize if that's what you feel called to do the intent is not to actually send this letter or give it to that person Um, that's your call to make but this is really about self-reflection which is you know the whole value of why we're doing this podcast it's really about self-reflection so writing it out for yourself the second part of that is to write a compassionate letter to yourself and say that you understand and you forgive yourself Mm, so huge Mm. I am a hypocrite because I desperately need to do this. Same. And I'm going to. I'm going to commit to doing it because it's so important. And, I mean, if I can't forgive myself and move on, then I'm never going to believe that other people can forgive me and move on when I stuff up. Yeah. And then, there you go, a limiting belief. Exactly. Develops. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really good questions. And they're big questions. Mm. I feel like I'm going to write this letter and be a blubbering mess. Mm. And that's letting go, right? It has to surface for you to release it. Mm -hmm. That's the whole idea. Yeah, for sure. We also encourage open and authentic conversations. Yeah, so find somebody that you trust, someone that you love, and speak to them about anything that's come up for you in this episode or ask them, is there anything that they want to talk through that they're holding on to? Um, We really, really encourage just being real with one another, being honest, being vulnerable. And our DMs are always open as well. If anyone wants to touch base and talk through with a, you know, an independent person, someone maybe you don't feel comfortable talking to some people in your life and you just want that sort of extra external person to listen to and, and chat through things, we are always, 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 always available. I love a chat and, <laughs> you know, I'm happy for you to dump whatever you need to dump on us because dump that's, away. it's the whole point of this and the reason why we get ourselves in such a bloody mess with these things is because maybe <laughs> we don't feel like we can talk about them or other people aren't talking about them enough. Mm-hmm. Well said, Ellie. Thanks, Ellie. Yeah. And on that note, that wraps everything up today. Yeah, we will see you on the next ep. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.